Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops podcast, July 4th weekend edition. The free agency madness is still upon us as, as BJ Armstrong and I record this. Kawhi Leonard is still making a decision and he is being followed around by cameras in the chopper shades of 25 years ago. Uh, something that was very, very different from selecting a basketball team. BJ, how are you, my friend? How was your free agency week? And uh, have you gotten any rest? It's it's been uh, it's it's been tough. Um, you can see how quickly you know, free agency has gone. It's come and gone, and we have one big whale swimming out there in the ocean in Kawhi Leonard. And um, but you know we got a lot of movement. It's, uh, a lot of players have moved around, top guys, which is kind of unheard of uh, from that standpoint. But you know what? We'll see what Kawhi does. I think that will be a a major shift whatever he decides to do and and how the you know this the nba will shape out and play itself out in 19 and 20. three billion dollars roughly in the first day of free agency of signed contracts is the statistic i read today three billion dollars have you had time to even fathom where we are in the business side of the nba in the last 72 hours well, it would be great if those $3 billion were all guaranteed $3 billion. So for better or for worse. Very, as, as, very as, true. As, I will, as, I will as, get you a better breakdown. But, as, yeah. but someone, who's a, someone who's an agent who played yeah, you, the league, you, who's been yeah. an executive, you've seen it all. I mean, this is unprecedented. Yeah, you, you, what you, you know, to me, what's unprecedented is the, the amount, how many free agents there were. I mean, half of the league. No, it was 200, right? 200 players yeah. out of 450? Yeah, so, you know, that number is very deceiving because you got half of the league. And and what you're beginning to see from a business perspective, right? You know, the the agent and all that stuff, you know, is a different. But just from business, half of the league was is, is, was basically not signed. And then when they do sign, I'm going to say a quarter of those, I haven't seen all of them, a quarter, but a, a majority of those were not non-guaranteed contracts, right? So what you're seeing is the owners and these exceptions, um, you know, the it, it's, it's getting a harder and harder time. It's putting a squeeze on these players. I mean, I know what's being reported, but when you look at the numbers and you, 
and you really break it down, you'll see the disparity between the top guys, you know, the, the max guys who make up the large majority of that, right? You know, those top two or three guys on each team. And then you have the exceptions and the minimum players. So, you know, it's getting tougher and tougher uh, to, to really get, you know, to make and really build a team, as you see, if you're going to have a good team and be able to do it and be able to do it in a way that can be sustained without, you know, try, without going to the draft because the draft seems to be the only way under these rules to do it. So, but, you know, the number sounds good, but when you look behind the curtain, it, it isn't always what it seems. Great insight on that as always. And, and there's so much to digest here. Before we go deeper with some of these contracts and moves, um, have to say, uh, Derek Rose to Detroit. Congratulations. Um, Derek has been uh, on this unbelievable basketball journey. Um, all the challenges, all the hurdles, all the peaks and valleys, and just obviously great to see what he did last season and for him to get an, another contract. And um, amazing he ends up back in your home state. So I'm sure you're happy about that. But, you know, quickly, you know, Detroit last year, um, you know, playoff team, Blake Griffin, you know, playing hurt in the playoffs, played 75 games, had his uh, best scoring season and really seemed to, to, to get comfortable in Detroit. What kind of a situation is Derek stepping into now with, with Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and the Pistons? Well, with, with, uh, when you look at the West, and I mean, the West is just stacked, right? They're just stacked with teams and um, when you start looking at the Western Conference, you know, in particular, you look what Utah has done in the offseason. I think they had a terrific offseason. You have Denver, you have the Lakers, you have OKC, um, you know, New Orleans is going to be improved. You know, you just have so many teams out here in the West where it's going to be very competitive. You know, you still have, you know, the Warriors won't be the Warriors, but you know what, you still have a Oh, for sure. You could you could say right now, and it's too early, and I find it funny that there are, you know, 11, 12 teams that, you know, you could argue that could be playoff teams in the West. So yes. well, where I think you're trying to take me back to is, you know, a, a real good opportunity in the East potentially with, with yeah. Derek and Detroit. And, and so, you know, and looking at, looking at your opportunities, you want to give yourself the best opportunity to win and find an opportunity where you can fit in and, and your talent. Right. This is a this is a league now where you're getting up playing pace and space. Right. I mean, you know, everyone wants shooting. That's the spacing on the floor and everyone wants to play at a pace where they can get up and down. And if you have a play call nine times out of ten, it's going to be some type of screen roll action. And um, and then looking at the team, you know, Derek said, you know what, if I can play with one guy I can play screen roll with. Two guys would be great, and you have a you know both of those guys can play not only screen roll and roll to the basket, but they can play vertical basketball, and you can do the things over the top. And um, he found a good place that he felt comfortable with. And as you know, and you look at the roster, you say, hey, let's look at it. Let's look at what works for you. Let's work look at what works for you, not only business wise but team wise. And is it a fit with the with the personalities, coaching, and where you fit into the team? So. That was just a good fit for him. Uh, Coach Casey, you know, he felt really comfortable. They laid it out to him, told him how they f feel that he can fit into the team, and it was a good fit for him. So 
Um, you know, you just try to find good fits for your skill set and what you do. And, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, if you got the talent, obviously it'll take care of itself, but you just try to find those places that you feel good about going into, not only business wise, but basketball wise, because in the end, you know, one thing I've, I've learned over the years, you know, these players want to play and they want to compete and uh, you just want to give yourself a chance. And I think it's a good fit for him for where he's at in his career. Great to hear the Pistons should be a team that uh, are playing meaningful basketball games next year past Christmas uh, if, if they can keep their main players on the court. So great to know D Rose is going to be there. Obviously there have been so many moves and I can't imagine what some of your phone conversations and reactions have been this week. Let, let's start first, knowing that Kawhi has not made his decision yet, knowing that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving had been in the works for some time. Is there anything involving a star player big name that really surprised you when you heard it between Sunday and the time we started this pod today? No. Um... I have nothing. Nothing. Nothing, nothing was a surprise. Nothing has been a surprise because, you know, the 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 mindset of these young men today, as, as without question, has changed. Right? I mean, you know, I mean, Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard, they both made choices to leave, and the, and the biggest choices, you know, our generation was more. You mean Kyrie? Yeah, KD Kyrie, and Kyrie. Kyrie. Yep. Yep. KD and Kyrie. And those guys decided to leave their respective teams. Clearly, you know, let's just call them top 10 players in the NBA, uh, both of them. And especially KD, you know, he's arguably a top five player in the NBA when healthy. And they decided to leave. And the difference between this generation and, and, and the previous generation is business, right? I don't think anyone's leaving that type of money, you know, on the board to, to leave to go to a team. Uh, so it's just a different mindset. But these kids today, hey, that, that, that's their choice. That's their prerogative. You got to respect it and you move on. So what they're doing and moving around, whether it's KD and Kyrie, whether it's Jimmy Butler, whether it's Kimba Walker, you see that these young men, you see what's important to them. It's important to them minus the financial ramifications, right? And the money that they're, you know, leaving on the table if they were to stay with their team. What's important to them is having a say-so where they play. That's the most important thing. So, hey, that's their choice. That's what free agency is all about. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I respect their decision and, uh, and you move on. So that it is what it is at this point and, uh, and we'll see how it turns out. The era that we're in, and, you know, we can trace this back to LeBron James summer of 2010, realizing I'm not going to get to where I want to go in the situation I'm in in Cleveland. I've got to create a new situation for myself and the empowerment of this is where I want to go. This is who I want to play with. And this becoming the, the norm now in the NBA, quote unquote, the super team era, even though super teams existed before then, but this constant movement of these star players, and obviously the money is one thing, location, organization, teaming up with guys you may have played with or against in college, AAU, et cetera, et cetera. And it's 
unbelievable entertainment from the fan perspective, from the media perspective, storytellers, and of course, people in the league. Um, this this has been nonstop. So, um, you know, a, a few moves I want to run by you just to get your uh, take on the player and the situation, and and how you think that's gonna that's gonna play out. So, I first want to start with Malcolm Brogdon leaving the Milwaukee Bucks and going to the Indiana Pacers. What will the Bucks miss? What do the Pacers gain knowing Oladipo is ahead of schedule in that rehab and they present themselves as a very tough backcourt combo? Well, first, you know, when you start looking at, again, there, there are two important elements here that, which it's just a new way of thinking. Like, let's, let's go back in the 80s and the 90s there were different styles of play mm -hmm. from teams, right? The, the Celtics played different than the Pistons. The Pistons were the bad boys, and then the Lakers were showtime, and then the Bulls had the triangle offense, and then Milwaukee had, you know, point forwards. Golden State played, like, small ball. The, 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 the Denver Nuggets were a pace team before we even gave it a name. Yep. So there were all these different styles. You know, Indiana played through Rick Smith's. You know, so they were big. The New York Knicks had a style. Now, the thing that I find most interesting about the NBA is everyone plays the same exact way. Like, all right, I get why the Warriors do that, but I don't get why, you know, the Orlando Magic right. are doing that. Yeah. Okay. D okay. <laughs> forcing, forcing a system upon players instead of molding a system okay. to match your talent. Okay. And, 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 I'm and not by the way, the by question. the way, great, great Rick Smith's reference on my Malcolm Brogdon question. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I did not see that coming, so thank you for that. Right, and I and I and I get everyone loves to say this pace and space. Okay, so so now we know everyone wants to play the same exact way. We got to get up and down. We got to do that, and then everyone is looking for shooters. So if you can shoot, that seems to be like this premium, but every year. Eric, you and I watch the games like everyone, like everyone else, all the other fans. And then we see the two teams or the teams that compete at the end. It always comes down to defense. So everyone talks about the Warriors, but secretly we all know the Warriors are every year. They're the, either the number one or number two team. They're in the top five every year. If they're, they're, not getting, if they're not getting stops, they're not the Warriors. Yes. The Toronto Raptors we're not the greatest three-point shooting team, right? If I look at them, you know, I don't, you know, Siakam, Kyle Lowry, uh, you know, Danny Green can shoot, but he wasn't shooting, you know, like just lights out, right? Um, you know, Van Fleet, so forth and so on. But defensively, they were a really, really, really good team this year. Yep. Okay, so this goes back to Brogdon. Okay, I, I don't know... You know, I, I, I get it. Like, is, you know, Brogdon is a really good basketball player. Okay, I know he can shoot. But I don't know how that translates when you're talking about Oladipo because Oladipo is a guard. And when guards, most guards, or all guards, I should say, gain for the most part is predicated on speed and quickness. 
So Oladipo's injury is a significant injury. You don't just come back from these injuries as if like, okay, I'm back. This young man is going to need time, probably a year, year and a half, two years, maybe more, because we don't know psychologically how he's going to be, what kind of trust he's going to trust his body. We don't know if he's going to have setbacks. We don't know. And the last thing that comes back when you have these type of injuries is your speed and quickness and your reaction. So he comes back. I don't know what this means. Like, I don't, I don't get how we just say Kevin Durant's going to be back and they're going to be, no, no, that's not yeah. how that works. Well, and then that's, that's a, that's a completely other uh, yeah, discussion yeah. I about the hype around the nets. But my, what, what I wanted to get to on Brogdon was, you know, from my view, a lot of intangibles, combo guard, good size, playmaker, good two-way player, I think he helps Indiana not just because of his skills, but also because it's going to take Oladipo some time. And I think he really has a chance to, to steady the ship there, especially with, uh, you know, strong front court player with Sabonis and Turner. They lose Bogdanovich. They lose um, Thad Young. They also bring in Jeremy Lamb. They bring in TJ Warren, who, you know, volume score on a, on a, on a poor Suns team. But th that's a team that intrigues me, and it, and it starts with the acquisition of Brock. Right. Well, I, I, I get, I, and, I, and I get what you're saying about style and us yeah, getting I, lost in that instead of just looking at what these know, individual guys can do. When I, when I look at these players, and I remember when I came into this league some 30 years ago or what have you, I quickly realized there was a difference when I was playing as a backup and there's a difference when I was playing as a starter. I think the biggest transition, which no one is saying, but we'll say it here, is Brogdon now running a team, being a mm -hmm. starting guard is a totally different game than playing with a team coming off the bench and the other kid, uh, Giannis. Oh, Giannis. No, Giannis. Giannis basically is a, is a primary ball handler there. I mean, even though we have Bledsoe as the point guard, Giannis primarily gets the touches for that team. Sure. And I think what we can't underestimate is being a starter and handling that responsibility is totally different than what he did there in Milwaukee. And that, to me, will be the most interesting thing because – we don't know how Brogdon is going to respond when he his matchup and for, for that team was backup players. His matchup now will be the Kyrie Irvins, the Russell Westbrooks, the, the Chris Pauls. He's in that spotlight every night against and, the top point guards in the league, for sure. That, that sure. is a totally different ball game, and now he has to run a team. He doesn't have a Giannis. Now, yeah. and for better or for worse, with this money comes great expectations. Now, if he averages eight, ten points, people are looking at him like, "Okay, what's going on?" Oh, he's got to be he's he's got to be uh, eighteen and nine minimum and, and, this season. And, and, and I don't know if that's what he – I don't – the intangibles is what you love about him. Like, I love him. I love him. I love what he does. 
He plays the game the right way. He makes, he makes the, all the right basketball play. But now you're asking him to do something, in my opinion, he hasn't shown, at least against the, what we call the frontline players. And when I went from being a bench player in this league to a starter, right? So I'm playing against the backups to suddenly mm-hmm. now I got to match up with the Isaiah Thomases and the the Mochis the, the and all Price's, those guys. The, the Price's, Douglases. Yeah, that's a different game. The Kevin game. Johnsons. And this is new for him, okay? He, yes, he's been in the NBA. Yes, he's had some success. Yes, he has won. But I'm telling you right now, right here, that what he's about to see next year, he hasn't seen. And from that standpoint, he's going to be a rookie all over again because running a team, being the starter, having to live out there on that island, especially in a game now where you have this league dominated by guards, it's a different game for him, and he hasn't experienced this yet. And I'm not sure how that's going to play out because he's not an overwhelming athlete. He's not an overwhelming athlete where he's just going to overwhelm you with his athletic speed and quickness. You know, he's not 6'7", 6'8", where he's just going to – he can just, you know, pick and choose how he wants to play at what pace. No. You know, it's going to be a different game. So I like him, but I think this is going to be a tough matchup for them in this regard is that, you know what, it's going to be a first. We don't know how that's going to play out because – these some of these guys, a healthy John Wall and these guys, these guys are playing the game that much faster than the guys who are backing those guys up. Oh yeah, that's the speed. That's and, lightning and speed for sure. Like, for I sure. mean, Bledsoe is an incredible athlete. Okay, he's yeah. an incredible athlete, right? He's so athletically, he's just able to do things because you know, Eric, you and I get beat. We don't have the ability to recover like Bledsoe. Bledsoe makes an unbelievable recovery, and you go, wow, what a great defensive play. You and I, you just don't have that physical ability. And I think that's the level of athlete that Brogdon will be seeing. The frontline guys are that good. They are that good. And and I think it's going to be different. You just reminded me I've got to go work on my lateral quickness after the Well, yeah, you are a good athlete. (laughs) No, was, was, capital was. Um, if we take as long on Brogdon on any of these other moves, we're going to be doing a pod through Independence Day weekend. Sure, so we'll get in again. let's rapid fire it a little bit more. Um, I found the D'Angelo Russell sign and trade to the Warriors in the KD deal fascinating. The fact that him at 23, obviously he had to agree to it, right? Going to a situation like that where he's going to have to make some serious adjustments to his game, obviously, he had a, a terrific season last year, but going from the Brooklyn Nets as was constituted to the Warriors organization as is constituted, a huge move. I hear people counting out the Warriors already, saying they'll be lucky if they make the playoffs next year, which to me is crazy. How do you like Russell and how he's grown entering Warriors, Warriors culture? Excuse me. You know, Eric, I, I think I've said it before. When it ends, it always ends bad. And you did. I was thinking about that. Every championship run ends bad. And you can see how how it ends. Um, you know, the first thing that, 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 I, that I saw, I just looked at the business of what they did, right? 
clearly, if you look at the the basketball, you know how it fits on the you know basketball. As you have, you know, two point guards now that are actually you know they're 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 all star point guards, right? You know, Steph is Steph, and then you have an emerging young player in the kid D'Angelo Russell. So I don't know how that works, um, but business wise, I think it works for them. And what they have to do, whether they decide to do it now, next year, or the following year, which is they have a young player who is locked into a deal and that someone will take a chance on a D'Angelo Russell. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good piece to have uh, in your tool shed when, when you need it, because they're going to need players that's going to help them not only now, but in the future. And D'Angelo Russell will address that. He will be a valuable commodity throughout this league. And then the other one, uh, they got rid of Andre Iguodala, and then they yep. have another decision to make, which is a very valuable, uh, another valuable, which is a, a one-year contract, one-year contract remaining on Draymond. Yep. That's a, that's so. When I looked at the business of what they have currently and what they need to do. I said, okay, I see the business. Now, what does, what's the best way to put the team to compete and all those things? Obviously I'm not privy to those conversations, but just from a business standpoint, I'm saying, okay, they have a couple of things to address. Clearly they have to get clay back, which is going to take some time. And then once they figure out what direction they're going to go in, they'll begin to make the moves. But I think D'Angelo at the very least gives them a young player that they will get be able to get something in return if they decide to go that way uh, to figure out how they're going to build their team moving forward. And of course, if he stays, he, he takes a lot of the load off Steph Curry, who of course is going to be shouldering a lot of the load with Kevin Durant gone and Clay Thompson out, I'd say minimal until March. DeMarcus Cousins, as of right now, July 3rd, when we're recording, does not have a team, does not have um, a home. Is DeMarcus waiting for Kawhi's decision to choose one of these L.A. teams, or has the market soured that much on him because of past issues, but mainly more so because of the health issues he had this season? Well, I, I think I think when you have those issues, again, when you have – a significant injury with your lower ex extremity and talking about the knees or, you know, in this case, him with the Achilles, you know, it did takes the Achilles. Time. And then of course did the quad in the playoffs, but yeah, it takes, you, you got to admire the, the grit and what he was able to do. Not at a hundred percent. Don't we? Yeah, you, you do, but you have to, but this game is very, it, it's, it's very demanding on your body. Okay. I, 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 you know, when I hear these, when you, when you hear how we in the media talk about these guys are going to come back, Clay's coming back, but no, Clay's not. Clay is not coming back next year by whenever, whenever, whatever, he's eight months or whatever. You know why he's not going to come back? It's because these, these men who attain this level of excellence, mentally, we don't know where they're going to be. You just don't rehab and come back. Of course. Okay. So the thing, if I'm DeMarcus, if I'm DeMarcus and 
when you see these young men, they, their bodies need time and their bodies need time to fully recover because when you have a man who plays the way he plays, right? I mean, DeMarcus is, is a very unusual athlete. You know, he's never been like an explosive athlete vertically, but you know, he could tiptoe through the tulips. He was always <laughs> light on it. He was, he could always, he was always light on his feet for a man his size. And Love that. He, he, he was always a unique athlete. And, and I like to refer to him as a ground athlete. You know, he could always move on the ground and bump and ground. And that takes time. So if I'm him, I'm going, I got to trust the fact of where is my body at right now? Because when he hurt his quad, it was like no one was around. So your body is trying to tell you something and you got to listen to it and you got to give yourself time. We're not saying DeMarcus can't play. We're not saying he's not tough. We're not saying he didn't have grit. What we're saying is, you know what? We have 82 games to play, and we don't know how capable you are playing 82 games. That's what they're saying. And, and, I, and, and I get the argument because that young man is a very talented player. But, you know, at some point you have to learn – how to say no and say what is needed. And what's needed for him is time. He needs time to get his legs back under him where he feels comfortable and he's not thinking about, you know, well, I, I can only do this. I can't push off on that leg. I can't do this. Because the way they're playing now, they're playing so fast. De DeMarcus, you know, if you're if you're 85% playing in today's game, you expose yourself to other injuries. And it's not worth it for him, especially because he's, He's in a unique situation, you know, contract-wise and playing-wise. I mean, bigs, let's face it, bigs are not like the, you know, they've been almost phased out of the game. Yeah, um, I mean, literally cutting cut in half percentage-wise because yeah. the traditional four spot is yeah, no I mean, longer. And it's, it's four out and even five out in some situations. Now, credit him. He can shoot the free ball. He can pass the heck out of it from the high post, the low post. He can play pick and pop all day long. But until that agility and his body's recovered. Um, and that's, that's, that's what that's he needs. It. He just that's take, right take care of your so, body, get your body right, whenever that is, you know, and that's okay. There's, there's no rush. There's no rush. You have to, yep. the, the, the thing is, come out there when you're 100% so that you can continue to get in shape. Like, I, I felt in just watching him, but I'm just an amateur. I'm no doctor by no stretch of the imagination that he was always playing catch up. Even when he came back the first time, it was like he was just playing catch up, you know, yeah, just for sure. Just and he, and he got it. He, he got it. He got into some good grooves. But then obviously um, the quad injury in the finals and the fact that he came back at all was unbelievable. Right. And, he, and he helped them win two games with, yes. without being able to jump over a phone book. Exactly. So, um, Speaking of uh, big men who are versatile, who can do many things, and reminiscing on what rivalries used to feel like when you wouldn't dare leave one team to go to a, not just a division rival, but a hated rival. I realize it's 2019. I realize that first comes first is talking basketball, telling basketball stories, doing our show, then a fan of secondary. But the thought of Al Horford in a Philadelphia uniform, BJ, I've been waiting to talk to you for a number of days. 
it's still not sitting well with me. I can't believe he went to Philly. I know he went for the money. I know that this is his last big contract. Forget the fact that we know there's no rivalries left. How do you see Horford helping Philly knowing Butler's out the door and Redick is out the door? How does Horford help them? Well, I think you answered it here. Look, it's it's business, and you got to respect that. I mean, at this stage of his career, where he's at, that's an incredible, incredible amount. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you, is Danny Ainge foolish for not matching, or is Danny Ainge smart for not giving that money because he's 33, he'll be 37 at the end of that deal? Oh, come on, Eric. You're, you're, you're 37 at the end of that deal. Okay, you you get it. You know you have to make tough calls. Al Horford is an is an All Star caliber player for many years in this league, but at the same time, Danny Ainge has young players that he's going to have to make a financial decision on as well. In mm-hmm. particular, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. It, it just that's just part of the business, right? I'm all right. I'm uh, smiling again on the inside a little bit. Yeah. So you he's got it. So. Again, you can't lose those two guys, right? You, you, you know, you have Gordon Hayward who's coming off an injury. You know, that's that's a, that's an issue, and, and he's and, making... and speaking and speaking of what we were talking about before, how long it takes to get back, and I'll circle yes. back to the Philadelphia question in a minute. The the word out of Boston, and someone might be planning this, that Hayward is a man on a mission and already looks way better physically in workouts his body continues to change and they're really excited about the progress he's making what are you hearing if anything about hey about hayward and is this the prime example of how long it takes to get back from a, a serious well, injury i i think you you saw last year you saw flashes you saw flashes with uh gordon and that, this is this is what i'm talking about these players just don't come back you saw flashes right he gave you flashes. He showed you game here, there. I think to get back fully where he is, the Gordon Hayward that we saw before he got to Boston, that may take another year. That may take another year. But I have no doubt that he's working. I have no doubt that he's physically been cleared and he's healthy. But to get back in that type of conditioning, to get back in that type of shape, to get back into that framework where you trust your body when you're tired and you're pushing through, that takes time. And so I like what I saw from him last year and knowing when you have a significant injury, you just don't, it's not a, well, he'll be back in eight months. No, it doesn't work that way. And, yep. but I like what, I like what I saw from him. I'm, I'm a huge Gordon Hayward fan, by the way. I love, I Good love what he's done. And, um, but you know what? It may take another year or so. Yep. Well, him teaming up with, with Kemba and, and, Jalen and Jason, and obviously Marcus Smart, and the addition of Enos Kanter, they're they're going to be uh, they're going to be different, but they're going to be very good. Um, Bruce Bernstein is is keeping an eye on the time, so I have to circle back real quick. BJ, one sentence: Does Horford help Philly get further next year than they got this year, which of course was Game Seven of the second round? Does Horford help them get further? Well, the, the thing, well, the simple answer is no. I, I, I'm hearing people say they like Philly and they're, they're picking Philly to come out of these. But I don't like it on paper because I don't, I don't see a primary ball handler. And I don't see a pro- primary ball handler that can break down the defense. So Ben and Simmons is not that guy. 
Ben Simmons is a terrific player, but I don't see the player that can break down. You need a player that can break down the, and, and play what I call within three to four seconds, right? Shot clock is going down. Who's that player? Yep. Who's that? Who's that? I'm going to double team. It, it, it was Jimmy. Yeah, it was Jimmy. At the end of the playoffs last year, the ball was in Jimmy Butler's hands. That's a fact. Like he was the closer. So can can Tobias Harris be no, your closer? That's not Tobias. That's not that's, not. that's not. That's uh, that's not. You and I had this discussion about the Denver Nuggets, and I said I don't know who that guy is for them. At the beginning of the playoffs last year, when I look at that team, you have to have a player who can play in what we call the chaos. Right when the game gets chaotic, Kawhi Leonard can just play in chaos. I don't. I don't have a play. He just makes a play. Yep. LeBron James at one point was was right up there with the best of them who could just play in the chaos. Jordan. The more chaotic the game was, the better he was. That's what Steph Curry. He can just go get a shot. Kevin Durant. I don't know who's going to do that when I watch that team or I'm looking at them right now on paper. Right. It's that's not that's not. Ben Simmons game right now. Yep. Joel Embiid, yeah, Joel Embiid. That's not that's not his game. If I, Joel Embiid is out on the perimeter doing crossovers, then they're they're really not going to be good. That's not Al Horford's game. That's not Tobias Harris' game. They are really really good players, all star caliber players, all of them. But you need that one player who can break the defense down, create offense for himself, rest of the team, and when the game gets chaotic. I don't see. They are a team that is built for, they come down, they, they call a play. Well, the game isn't played that way. The game is not played that way. And I will say this. Al Horford has been an all-star as a five in this league. And I learned this from my good friend, Scottie Pippen. When we got Tony Kukoc, they asked Scottie Pippen to go to the two position. And they wanted Tony to start at the three. And, and mm. Scottie had the greatest reply I've ever heard. Why am I going to change my position when I'm an all-star at this position? Love it. Love it. <laughs> That's what. Very simple. It was very. Very. Very simple. And, and people are saying, "Oh, Horford hasn't wanted to be a five. He right. can now play the four and spell Embiid right. at the five and load he, management and all this." Listen, at the end of the day, Joel Embiid is going to have to be the guy on that team. So, exactly. however they figure out how to do it, whether they're going back to 20, uh, 25 years ago and watching Elijah on film from the 94, 95 Rockets. And they're, they're, they're going that route or they're playing old school, big smash mouth NBA basketball. We'll see, but he, he's got to be that guy. So you give me great confidence about guys playing in chaos because I truly believe a healthy Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, and the emergence of Jason Tatum can all make those plays. And that's how we'll end today's podcast. BJ, great job out there in L.A. I hope you have a great holiday weekend. Special thanks, as always, Bruce Bernstein, Benjamin Wolfen, the entire Pure Hoops Media team. We wait for Kawhi Leonard. Keep up with us. Adam Stanko and I knocking out a lot of uh, NBA summer quick hitters, giving you all the analysis of trades, drafts, summer league, and, of course, free agency next week. The Mike Wise Show on Monday. Catch and shoot on Wednesday. Buckets, boards, and blocks on Thursday. And of course, BJ and, I'll, and I will be back next week as well. Have a great weekend, everybody. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.